And good morning, evening, afternoon, and wherever you are in the world. Happy New Year. First episode of Cinema of 2021, and it's brought to you by Dark Matter TV. Dark Matter TV is a streaming platform where you can find not just current genre entertainment and horror, sci-fi, thriller, and action, but also classic content that takes you back to the great old days of late night cable and finding those cult and classic films that they just don't make anymore. Available for download on Android or Apple or visit darkmattertv.com. It's free, it's fun, and it's gonna grow. Today's episode kind of goes back to uh, my previous one, which I'm gonna touch upon, and that is, uh, it was called Amityville Horrible. And it was, uh, that episode was a look at something um, that was the phenomenon of, of the Amityville films in which I argued that there really isn't a good one. And uh, you can go back and listen to that at your leisure. But there is something about the Amityville horror that applies to what I want to speak about today. And, I, and I've noticed this coming for a while. And I, I feel this is a kind of relatively new thing. And it's very cynical. So before I get into the actual meat and potatoes of this episode, I want to say something to be very clear. I want to believe in a lot of things. And I have seen things in my life that I I do believe presently at this time, at least for me, science cannot explain or at least provide a 100% clear answer to explain the things that I've seen. Now, I'm not saying about aliens or UFOs. I am talking specifically for this episode about the paranormal. I have had a number of paranormal experiences in my life. I am sure that skeptics and critics could step forward and logically so with critical thinking and say, Harrison, this is what you saw. This is what you experienced. And here, let me outline steps to prove it to you. And that may be, I am not discounting that. What I'm saying, though, is that I have experienced certain things and I have seen things. And most of all, I think all of us truly in our hearts and in our souls, if they exist, we want to believe that we go on, that there is something after we die, that it's just not lights out. And, you know, there is a powerful scene in Dr. Sleep, the sequel to The Shining, where Ewan McGregor is talking uh, with a patient in the hospice that that he works. And the patient is dying, obviously, in a hospice, and says it's not the pain of, of death that he fears. It's not even the process of death that he fears. What the patient says, this old man says, is what if there is nothing? And that really spoke to me while I sat in the theater. The prospect that we just kind of wink out and we are gone, and that there is just nothingness. That, to me, is hell. That all the experiences I've accumulated in my life are just suddenly gone. And some of you can probably relate to this right now as as we speak. I am sure everybody listening has lost a loved one, uh, someone very close to them, a friend, a lover, a parent, grandparent, whatever it may be, We get told at the ceremonies, we get told at the funerals, we get told by religion that we have a soul and that we move on. I'm going into something that I believe capitalizes and exploits this belief. And I don't think they really have neutral to good intentions with it. I don't think that they have the intention 
to entertain. And if I am correct in this, then this classifies as cinema and why I'm dedicating a podcast to it. So let's go back to the Amityville Horror. And arguably, before that, we should probably go back to The Exorcist because here's the thing. Is The Exorcist truly based on a true story? I'm going to go into the whole Exorcist William Friedkin thing in a little bit with the devil and Father Amorte. Allegedly, The Exorcist is based on a true story. A John Doe boy experienced a paranormal possession. Uh, two priests took care of it and, and it evolved into the story that we all know and love and considered the godfather of horror movies. I am not arguing on The Exorcist's uh, entertainment value and its place in horror and all of that stuff. This is not a critique of that film. However, it does have an appeal because of the based on true events thing. Now, look, we've already discussed this in previous episodes and all of us understand that whenever you see based on true events or this is based on a true story inspired by true events, there is a considerable amount of artistic license taken. So with The Exorcist, I get that. Okay, I I totally get it. Let's just say The Exorcist is 100% bullshit. It's still an entertaining story. So The Exorcist never tried to pass itself off as this is a real movie. So bear with me here. Now we go to Amityville. I'm going to state again for the record that I believe the entire Amityville case, the 100% of the entire haunting is bullshit. There is plenty of evidence out there to show and and support this, that the uh, Amityville incidences were just basically made up as their uh, the Lutz's own lawyer said over many bottles of wine. Uh, I'm not accusing anybody of being a liar. I'm just stating that I think a lot of liberties were taken and you can accept the movies for what you will. But here's the catch. At the center of it all, a real tragedy did happen. And that is the murder of the DeFeo family by Ronnie Butch DeFeo. There is no doubt that he killed his siblings. He has been convicted of that crime. And what we have is basically a family tragedy at the center of all of this. Here's the problem. The problem is this center story has evolved into a kind of litmus test or even a holy grail for supernatural events to say, see, this is all true. So when you say the Amityville Horror is based on a true story, Arguably, it is. It is based on the murders of that poor family way back in the 1970s. And I've said in my previous podcast about Amityville that a number of movies have been made on Amityville, and we can spin that off into The Conjuring with billions of dollars being made. And I wonder how much money was ever given to the survivors of the DeFeo family who have to endure this nonsense Every time one of these movies comes out, can you imagine being a relative of the DeFeo family and people asking you questions like, did your aunt really screw your uncle and uh, did that really happen and is the house haunted and blah, 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 and on and on and on. The, The amount of emotional baggage this family has to carry and probably never even a dime made. Uh, to a scholarship in that family's name or anything. Now, maybe there was and we don't know, but I'm willing to bet there was not. Here's where it starts to get a little dicey. The book, and subsequently the movies, but mostly focusing on the book here, claims that it used a number of police records 
and valid documents to give legitimacy to the story. Now, years later, and thanks to the internet and records that can be readily found online, a number of these so-called documents, police documents and uh, testimonials have turned out not to be true. And that includes police reports that never happened. Okay, the police never came to the house when the book says that they did, uh, that the damage to the house was nothing of what the book claimed or weather reports such as the famous scene in the book where George Lutz looks out the window, sees two red blaring eyes uh, glowing back at him and he throws something at the window and a pig squeals and supposedly this demon pig, the spirit of this demon pig runs off and they went out and they found pig hoof prints in the snow. When actually now, if you check the weather reports and the data for that time period in that night, there was no snow on the ground at all. Now, you may say, Harrison, you're nitpicking. However, this kind of stuff is cynically assembled to the layman, to the person that doesn't bother to do their homework, to the person that doesn't bother to do their research, and makes it sound like, see, all of this is true. Now you go forward with the famous ghost hunters, Ed and Lorraine Warren, and you know whether you know The Conjuring 2, I believe, opened up in Amityville, and then it goes on to another story. But these people have built an entire career based on what we think are real events. Uh, we've seen very little footage of anything that could even persuade the most open skeptic or agnostic, if you will, toward the supernatural. There has been no definitive, clear proof of anything. You can show video all you want. We do know now in the day and age of CGI, anything can be faked and manipulated. So we're not going to stay on Amityville, but what I want my point to get across is, is that a weird hybrid of both fact and fantasy were merged together to give off a legitimate claim to the paranormal by using what people think are real documents, real police records, uh, supposed real interviews in which, for example, the the priest at the center of it all uh, eventually recanted his entire story. Now, the conspiracy buffs out there, because as you saw in recent days, we have a conspiracy for everything. After what we just witnessed in, in the United States Capitol building, that was all fueled by conspiracy theory of a fraudulent election and everything else that has gone with it over the last four years of these bullshit conspiracy theories coming to the fore and people believing in in them, especially during this pandemic of, you know, nanobot technology and vaccines and Bill Gates wants to eliminate the populations and reduce populations. There isn't a shred of fact on anything. And that includes also that vaccines cause autism. We won't believe the scientists, but we will believe celebrities like Jenny McCarthy on that one. We have developed a society now that has access to vast amounts of information. The problem is, is that this society refuses to do anything except cherry pick the information that supports its agenda or belief. Look, I want to believe in a lot of things, but as Carl Sagan had said, extraordinary claims require extraordinary evidence. So I am open to somebody saying, Harrison, what you, I know you want to believe, but look, this, this, and this. For years as a kid, I wanted to believe there was a Loch Ness Monster. And they kind of did the same thing here because the photo 
that is supposed to be the quintessential image of the Loch Ness Monster. And I think you know which one I'm talking about. It's the famous one of the long neck thing in the water was given legitimacy because it was taken by a man of unimpeachable credit known as the surgeon's photo. Actually, I believe he was a gynecologist. However, that guy takes the credit for the picture, but he didn't take the picture. The person who faked it, which we now know because of a deathbed confession by the person who did it, it was basically plastic wood, wood putty on a plastic submarine floated in the water and you got that great image and it was cropped. Now, people want to believe in the Loch Ness Monster. I want to believe there's some plesiosaur-like dinosaur in Loch Ness. That would be fucking awesome, wouldn't it? It would take away so much from our humdrum lives, and we know that dinosaurs exist. Wouldn't that be great? But the sad fact is, folks, while there could be something in the Loch, it's not a plesiosaur. It could be an overgrown eel. It could be some type of sturgeon. We don't know. But it isn't that image from the so-called surgeon's photo. But the reason why that photo became iconic for the Loch Ness Monster is because it was given under the legitimacy of someone reputable and professional. So on the track of sea serpents and Loch Ness Monsters, let's go back in time now to Discovery Channel's uh, two so-called documentaries. One was on the Megalodon and the other was on mermaids. You remember this? Here is the danger, and this is what separates those two things from such entertainment as Ghost Hunters or Paranormal State or even most of the stuff that is shown on the Travel Channel because they package it as entertainment. The Discovery Channel aired those two specials. Uh, One was on the validity of mermaids, and here's the danger. Not once in the beginning or throughout the documentary, and I use the word documentary in quotes, was it ever stated that this was just for entertainment. They pass this off as the real thing because of this found footage, docudrama kind of thing that goes on now. Um, They pass this off truly as something that was real. And the actors that were on these documentaries on both Megalodon and Mermaids pass themselves off as members of the scientific community. So we, as the casual consumer, sit out in the audience and go, yeah, this this must be true. Why would that person come on here and lie? Well, they are lying because they're actors. And then only at the end did the disclaimers come for, okay, well, this wasn't really real. Like one of them that took people by storm was the famous photo of uh, the shark fin, the giant shark fin next to the submarine stating that this shark must be longer than a Nazi submarine. Do you remember that photo? I want there to be a Megalodon. I want there to be mermaids. As a kid, I used to love the idea of mermaids and I read the Hans Christian Andersen Little Mermaid, which is very different than the Disney-fied version. I wanted there to be mermaids. I want there to be a gigantic 60-foot shark out there. The problem is the science doesn't support it. The evolutionary data doesn't support it. It's not there. And this show, both shows, went forward under the pretense of deliberately trying to fool you. That is deception. 
There was nothing on the front. Now, maybe in subsequent airings, they went back and put some kind of disclaimer at the front, middle, and end of these things. But upon the original airings, they did not. And they tried to pass this off. Now, here's the thing I need to stress to you as listeners. Even while I'm watching this, as much as I want there to be something like this, the evidence was just a little too good to be true. I taught history for 15 years and I know the Nazi rise and fall like the back of my hand. I know a lot about it and I did my college dissertation on Adolf Hitler and the rise of the Third Reich. And never once, even without the internet and once the internet came, did I ever once come across a photo of that South Africa picture of the Nazi submarine with a five, six foot tall shark fin cruising alongside of it. Never did I see that photo. The evidence was just too good to be true. And that went the same also for the mermaid one and and on and on, like, you know, supposed images that they caught, uh, eyewitness accounts. Now you always go, well, everything's anecdotal. Here's where I want to go back now real fast before I go on to the subject at hand. And you're like, Harrison, the subject at hand. The whole point of this is critical thinking, folks. We need to apply it. After what we saw on January 6th, now more than ever, we need logic, we need critical thinking, we need education, and we need intelligence. So let's go back now to the devil and Father Morte. I want to believe in this kind of stuff. And when William Friedkin, of all people, is headlining this documentary and also on a Vatican priest That is, according to everything that I have read, and maybe some of the stuff I've read is not legit, or maybe I cherry-picked my information, but has a somewhat credible track record for exorcism. So we see some things, but frankly, if you've seen the documentary, and I'm going to give you a spoiler here, so get ready. If you have not seen the documentary, The Devil and Father Morte, I'm letting you know I'm going to give away the ending, so you might want to skip. So... What happens is we see almost 80 minutes of stuff we've seen already before. We've seen it on other, you know, uh, possession shows, paranormal shows, the, the sounds, the animalistic sounds coming out of people, lots of poor people who may be in the way of, of in the need of, of mental help, screaming and frothing at the mouth and, and flapping around on the floor, vomiting, all of that stuff. We've seen all of that, but... We get promised that something big is coming and we're waiting through the whole movie for this. And at the very end of the film, one of the subjects, one of the main subjects who was under possession, uh, agrees to meet with the documentary crew and something big happens. Here's the problem. The meeting does take place at the end. Only nobody brought a fucking camera. Now, if you're building this entire documentary around fact, And the fact is that you have a Vatican-sanctioned exorcist who has taken on the biggest uh, case of his career. And you have the director of the exorcist motion picture, the godfather of horror movies. Then you better deliver one hell of an ending. And at the end, the camera crew doesn't have its cameras. And the subject at hand comes and, and meets with them. And all we get at the very end is a story. They tell us the events. Oh, the doors flew open in this chapel and the wind came in and the temperature dropped and it got cold. You know what, buddy? I don't care. 
You're telling us a story. I can tell you a story. I can tell you anything that happened. Where's the evidence? And that leads me over now to the A Haunting series of films. And I've seen a bunch of these, but I'm going to focus on A Haunting on Dice Road. And I'm going to give it a plug. You can find it on Amazon. You can stream it pretty much everywhere. I'm sure you can find it on DVD. And the uh, founder or creator of this series is a DJ known as Prozac and a rapper named uh, Prozac uh, who goes by the name of Shippy for his um, paranormal investigations. Shippy brings us a series of interesting documentaries that I got to tell you, before I knew anything about any of this, I saw the advertisement for it on Amazon Prime. And one night I was sitting up late just recently and I thought, I'm going to watch this. And I did. And man, as I stated from the very beginning of this podcast, I want to believe in this shit. I want this shit to be real. And that is part of the problem. Because as I sat there watching this, I I got sucked in. And some of the infrared night vision stuff that he was putting up was scaring the hell out of me. And I'm going to tell you, man, you watch this documentary and look at the stuff that they caught. It's creepy. It is really creepy and it is downright scary. But then the critical thinking part of me came in and I watched this and I thought, I don't know, this all seems a little too good to be true. So I started doing some internet research. Have there been any scientific papers or articles published on what he's discovered? Because I'm going to tell you, and Shippy, if you're listening, if what you have found is real, It is the definitive proof of life after death and the supernatural and demons or whatever you want to call it. It's real if what you got was real. And I couldn't find anything. What I could find is that these films are usually shot in these small towns where these incidences happen. And there are premieres at local movie theaters where seats are sometimes sold at 25 bucks a pop. And lots of merchandise is sold and DVDs are sold. And look, where there's money, there's usually somebody taking it from you. I look deeper into this and I'm going to go into a couple examples. But also, after I was done watching, I reached out to my Twitter base and I have an account that I follow called Hoaxi. And I love them because they're out there spotting the Photoshop, CGI, and bullshit, along with the propaganda and conspiracy theories. But also, I have a follower who calls themselves the Bumbling Ponder. And you can find the Bumbling Ponder at PonderThe on Twitter, and you can find Hoaxi on Twitter at Hoaxi. I reached out to both of them to say, have you ever heard of anything about this? And the Bumbling Ponder came back and said, you know, I'd actually like to do some research on this for you. And I said, well, whatever you find, I'll gladly give you credit and and get get it on my show. And I'm doing that right now because the Bumbling Ponder came back with some really great stuff. But before I get to all that, let me just fill you in to give it some context. There are several events in this documentary, and I put that word in quotes, that happen, uh, take place on infrared or a night vision camera. But before I get there, let's go back to how this connects to Amityville. A real event did happen in this town, and according to police reports, the reports state that a family was harassed, uh, banging on the windows, things like that, lights flashing through the windows, that kind of stuff. And they go to the trouble 
of interviewing the old timers in the town, people that either were witnesses to it, uh, old policemen, uh, retired officers, sheriffs, uh, deputies, that kind of thing, emergency crew that did go out to this house. And some of them through anecdotal evidence state they they saw weird things happen. A, a, A plate on a wall vibrated or fell off, things like that. But the reports themselves are key. When you start framing things around real documents or real evidence, you start crossing into that line also that Discovery did with the mermaids and the Megalodon. Because when on that show, on both shows, they had actors playing scientists, but they never put up any disclaimers. So by not putting up the disclaimers on this, you are led to believe that what you're watching is a real, honest-to-God, scientifically-based documentary. And neither of those programs were. And only maybe in repeats, as I had said, did they put these disclaimers on that really what you're watching is a dramatization. With this, with these haunting things, they go through the trouble to amass this documented evidence. Here's a police report. Here's this. Here's that. And then you you talk to these people and you get uh, the accounts, the anecdotal stories coming from the people that were witnesses. But then what they do is they combine it with Shippy's infrared uh, night vision stuff. And here's where it got to me. Because watching it, like I said, my initial visceral reaction was, oh my God, this is creepy shit. This is scary. But then I thought, it's almost too good to be true. The camera just happened to be here when this happened. And they just happened to catch this. And also, one of the hardest things to do for a documentary or a found footage is to play real. It's hard to play normal. It's one thing as an actor or a performer to go over the top, play scary, play evil, all those things, or drunk. But to be normal, that's tough. So there are several scenes that I want to give you context with on this. Uh, Shippy is walking through the house and this air vent just flies off the wall while the cameras are running. Now, pretty scary, right? That's interesting. It was way up high on the wall and it flew off. We'll come back to that. Then another is he's sitting at a counter, a kitchen counter with a Ouija board. He's going to contact the demon or spirit or whatever this is. And uh, he's going to get to the bottom of it. And suddenly the planchette underneath just flies out from under his fingers. I'm telling you, it takes off like a jet, like, you know, good foot and a half away. It doesn't move like a quarter of an inch. This thing shoots like a weapon right at like a Jedi moved it. That's pretty fascinating, don't you think? And amazing that the cameras are running. A radio turns on by itself. And then there's the really good one where they have the camera set up in the kitchen and this free-moving vapor comes from the living room after an orb, what they call these supernatural orbs, flies into the living room. Then this vapor comes in and it's a mist or fog and it revolves around. And gotta say, it's pretty amazing and definitely gave me the willies. Then they catch this shape. Is it a witch that they refer to? We'll come to the witch in a moment, but it's always the camera happens to be right where the window is. And they catch this very bizarre, very whitish kind of shape 
moving and skulking outside the window. It walks up to the window. Then outside they catch it on the second floor of the barn. And then it's outside walking behind a tree coming around the house. The camera just happened to always be there when they caught these incredible images. If this is real and Shippy, if you are listening, I am not calling you a liar. I'm not calling you a fraud. I'm saying all of this is allegedly true. But if you feel what you caught is real, and I'm going to tell you, if that is real, that is definitive proof of the paranormal and is worth hundreds of millions of dollars. It is definitive. The stuff that you caught is incredible. So I implore you as the owner of this podcast and the host and as a fellow filmmaker, release the raw footage and not only release it, Take it to qualified people, engineers, scientists, special effects artists. Take that raw footage and have them verify. And to like Joe Nickel and other skeptics, take it to them. Because at the best, if you even get that you stump them and they say, look, I can't prove this is real, but I can definitely say it's not a hoax, you win. If James Randi were still around, I would implore you to take it to James Randi. Get it verified because you are sitting on a gold mine if all of this is real. And that goes for all the other stuff in your other documentaries. And then we have a subplot that apparently a witch, a local woman down the road who practiced witchcraft, had three X's on her home, put a curse and a spell on this family. And later on, in the house, while they're under the crawl space, they happen to find this old mud-covered mason jar. And they bring it up, and for the camera, they open it up, and what do you know? Inside is some relic from the guy that they said was cursed, and it's wrapped around some other, it's like bone or something. I don't know what it is, but it has his name written on it, this guy that was cursed. Now, this is pretty big, don't you think? And they never take it to the guy. The guy is still alive, at least at the time of the shooting and airing. He was still alive. They never took it to him to say, look what we found. And is the curse broken? In addition, they bring in a guy who looks like a reject from some comic con. And uh, he sits down with a digital recorder and starts talking to nothing, claiming he's going to get EVPs. EVPs are the electronic voice phenomena that you get when you run a tape recorder, a digital recorder, and then you listen to the playback and hear a lot of And sometimes you hear voices in those. Sometimes they're the answers to the questions that you've been asking the so-called entity or demon or spirit, whatever you want to call it. Now, here's the thing. This guy records these EVPs. They never play them back in the documentary, at least not anything that I saw. And I don't remember getting up and leaving. And if I did, I would have paused it. But I don't remember them listening to the EVPs. So what was the point in recording that scene? I guess you got nothing or you couldn't have faked anything. So the bumbling ponderer comes forward when I, after this documentary was over, I went out to the Twitterverse and I asked people if they had seen it. And the ponderer came back to me and said, you know, I'd like to do some research on this. And then I went to Hoaxi and Hoaxi came back with, well, the guy is out there doing his thing and he's made a number of these movies, but I can tell you that he has a reputation for setting these things up in movie theaters in the towns where these events have taken place. And then what they do is they sell at sometimes $25 a seat to come watch these documentaries, lots of merchandise, 
Lots of posters, DVDs, all that kind of stuff. So Hoax Eyes said, on the cursory level, can't really say he's hoaxing anybody, but it does seem suspect. And this is what was written to me from the Bumbling Ponder. There was a prior knowledge, belief of paranormal activity and presence, not just with the investigators, but with the citizens of the actual town. Also, the people in the area are mostly known to each other, although perhaps not all friendly to each other. I see no actual proof of a haunting. Things like banging and windows breaking and radios turning on by themselves can be done very easily. There was physical evidence from the exterior banging in the form of dents on the exterior wall of the home. This would be more from a natural action like people or even weather. I did find evidence of possible hoax in the air vent falling supposedly by paranormal forces to be staged. The air vent is clearly leaning away from the wall at its top. Then Shippy turns away and the camera follows him, looking away from the vent and then it falls and it hits the floor. Also clearly visible when the camera is put back on the vent that it is now laying on the floor. It is there with no screws in the vent to hold it in place when it was up on the wall. Now, as far as the infrared footage, the night vision footage as a whole, to me, they just look like someone walking just outside of the IR range, giving the appearance of a blurry human shape. Now, there were multiple attempts to dust the home for fingerprints, and only the family's prints were found. My answer to this is, there are these weird things no one in town seems to have heard of called gloves. Now, this is when I will try to explain why all of these law enforcement officers never found any evidence of trespass or anything like that. Once something like this gains popularity in a small town, it gains a life of its own much like how Bigfoot sightings can give a place popularity. The people's belief in it makes it real, so perhaps even the trained officer could fall under this I-want-to-believe kind of thing and not even realize it. Evidence of this is also in a couple that are seen being interviewed and smiling, talking about how all the traffic going by the houses and people shining spotlights on them as if they really enjoy the attention. I'm not a psychologist, but hopefully you get what I'm trying to say. I want you to think about the events of January 6th, just a couple days ago in the Capitol. People marched because of what they believed, and they believed there was a fraudulent election. Only the problem is there is no evidence of that. Sure, can some things happen? Yes. But to pull off an entire national fraud election? Give me a break. But because we have an authority figure as the President of the United States telling them, This is a hoax. It's fake. This is why we have the problem with the pandemic. This is why we have the problem with election fraud. There is no evidence to support either that ever that Corona was a hoax and that masks don't help. But because someone in authority goes out with the charisma like Donald J. Trump and tells people something, they believe it. An entire country and base, a voting base was sold on The Apprentice. That's the image of Donald Trump they voted into office. An image that is based all on anecdotes, not fact. When you start looking into the facts of Donald Trump, you find a very different picture. When you start looking into the facts of Ed and Lorraine Warren's investigations, you find 
a very different picture than what The Conjuring and Warner Brothers wants to tell you. Ed Warren himself admitted that some of the evidence in the second Conjuring film around that case was faked. So if some was faked, why not all of it? And again, where is the solid peer-reviewed scientific evidence that says this is real? The Bumbling Ponderer goes on in their uh, next piece that they wrote to me by saying, okay, there were things caught on tape that I'll go over now in an attempt to describe how they could have been done or recreated. The banging could easily be done by someone in the attic of the house, as we never see anyone actually go up there to show us a sealed floor attic. So the banging is out instantly. Later, we see a crew person going up a ladder, and he takes a fall saying, something pushed me. Well, how convenient. And you know how any stump person can fall from five feet with no problem whatsoever. Next, there are various items that fall around the house. This is also easily hoaxed with the help of gravity. Sorry, dude. Better luck next time. Then we have the two paintings that are magically flipped upside down. Here, Shippy actually breaks the fourth wall, which is actually pretty slick in my opinion, and literally says out loud that the radio that came on by itself was used as a distraction. Well, yeah, no shit. It was, but technically he doesn't need to do it as the paintings he's talking about aren't previously shown before the reveal. So I want to stop there. You never saw the paintings upright. We just take the camera and go over it. Oh, look, those paintings, I'm telling you, take my word, they were right side up. Now they're upside down. Ladies and gentlemen, this is no different than the ending of The Devil and Father Morte where we forgot our cameras, but I'm telling you, this cold wind blew through the church and the temperature dropped. We could see our breath, all of that. The problem is we couldn't record it. So then we go into all the other stuff that these A Haunting of series go into. And that is we bring in a medium who does the usual medium stuff. I feel something bad happened here. All that general cold reading kind of stuff. And here's my point as I end this podcast. The point is all of this stuff, and I'm not saying it's fake, but I'm certainly not saying it's real. And if it is real, I would like to see it brought out because again, it is the greatest scientific find to date. But all of this stuff is couched around and framed around real reports and real people who believe they really saw something. And I know people can say, run them through a lie detector. For the record, George and Kathy Lutz passed a lie detector test for the Amityville Horror. Now, that doesn't mean they don't believe what happened there. So if you're truly convinced, you can pass a polygraph test if you truly believe you are not lying. So that a polygraph test and you know a lie detector test is not the be-all to end-all in definitive proof. It is just a tool that is used and tools can be wrongly used. What is really going on on this kind of thing here? This is the scary part for me because we saw it culminate on January 6th. We now have so much information and some of it is real and some of it is not. And some of it is just plain fabricated to push an agenda. And people are not using critical thinking. They are not using intelligence. They are not using any type of law here to rule things out and say this could possibly be bullshit and this is not. 
And the reason why this is dangerous is because this kind of programming is not offering a disclaimer. It is putting it out there. And basically what they're saying is we're allowing you to figure it out for yourself. We're not saying it's true and we're not saying it's false. Well, just so you know, that was the same strategy for the marketers of the Blair Witch Project. In the beginning, if you remember, they never said it was real, but they didn't say it was fake either. They didn't say it was a Hollywood movie. They let you believe it. And it is amazing how many people then and today still believe the Blair Witch Project was true to the point that either, even when Heather Donahue and some of the cast went on Jay Leno, I believe it was Jay Leno at the time, and there they were. People still believe in the legend of the Blair Witch and that all of that happened, that that footage that was found was actually real. We are losing our ability to perceive reality and we're losing it by surrendering it. We want things to be real. We want the things that Donald Trump promised us to be real. We want to believe that there is an afterlife. We want there to be aliens. And I'm not saying that there aren't aliens. And I'm not saying that there isn't a supernatural presence out there. What I'm saying is when it's being faked or it's being presented as too good to be true and people are buying it and they're not looking into the critical thinking that needs to be done to properly process this information and taking only the information that supports their narrative, we have a cynical major problem. This is Harrison Smith. I thank you for listening. My special thanks to the Bumbling Ponderer and also Hoaxi on Twitter. And again, my final appeal to Shippy the creator and filmmaker of the series of A Haunting. And that is, please release your raw footage. Please bring it to people who can verify it. And when you get those hundreds of millions of dollars, throw me a finder's fee. I'd appreciate it. This is Harrison Smith. Thank you for listening. We will talk again soon. Thank you.